Hello and welcome once again to the new and spanking brand new GAA show. My name is Pierce Corkin. So help me get stuck into the action. As usual, we have Connor Coyle and Connor Donnelly. While this week we're joined by Anglo South Sports Editor and passionate cavalman Paul Fitzpatrick. Welcome all. Cheers, Pierce. So over the weekend, the news broke that Mickey Hart, manager of the County Toronto team for the last 18 years, had stepped away from the role. I think it's only fitting we start there. So, Connor, start with you. How do we sum up the impact of someone like Mickey on Tyrone? Um, I mean, I think it's hard to, to not repeat anything that hasn't been said already this last few days. Um, he, he just completely transformed the <clears throat> the game in, in terms of where Tyrone are at, and 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 even the fact that um you know we're we're considering some years where we get the semi finals and and all Ireland finals as being disappointments. Um, you know when when he took over, um, you know not to say that he didn't have a, a a very talented group of players uh to work with, but he, he gave them that extra wee bit and 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 brought them to promised land. Um. As a Tyrone fan, obviously, you know we look back now, and they're just some of the you know some of the happiest days of our lives that that that, that he contributed to. So, um, yeah, just absolutely, um, you know, uh, fantastic. You know, eighteen years service. Um, a lot of people obviously kind of criticised him, you know, towards towards the end, and you know, I think a, you know a fresh face will will definitely do. Do things, uh, do things the world of goods. Um, but I think he kind of he earned the right at least to, to go out on his own terms, you know. So, um, yeah, listen, the the position drone football in is now is in now compared to where it was whenever he got first got involved thirty years ago is is just just night and day. So, um, yeah, it's absolutely um, uh, you know, ha- happy to see things kind of move on a wee bit, but just completely in- indebted to, to Mickey for a lot of the stuff that he's he's done over the last last number of decades. Paul, from your perspective, someone on the other side of the fence, maybe, but also covering Tyrone over the last couple of years, and uh, what kind of impact has he had, in your opinion, on Tyrone and also on Ulster football and even the football as a whole? Well, I'll tell you the impact he had on Cavan ever on the sideline with a Tyrone team because I don't think Cavan ever had a competitive win when Mickey Hart was over the bar one game in the Mechanic Cup uh, for Matty Medlina was manager. Matty Medlina's first game was the only time Cavan ever beat a, a Mickey Hart team, even in, in McKenna Cup football, let alone National League or Ulster Championship. So he had that stranglehold over Cavan. Uh, I think I put up a tweet, but it wasn't uh, strictly correct, but uh, I'll, I'll uh, rejig it. I, I was saying on, on Twitter that if, if Mickey had only taken over Tyrone in, in 2009, he'd still go down as their most successful ever manager. Someone pointed out to me, I think, that Art McCrory won five Ulsters and Mickey Hart won four Ulsters. But He's close enough to it. So I, I thought uh, the flack that he was getting in the last couple of years was was harsh. Like he he was still uh, his team was still operating at a level that that Tyrone traditionally weren't used to really. In fairness, um, in, the, in over the course of their history, certainly up until the eighties or maybe until the nineties, Tyrone weren't making all Ireland finals or anything like that. And and Mickey Hart was still bringing them there and. Like if you think back to the other great sort of dynasties like Sean Boylan, by the end of Boylan's time in Mead, they were they really had slipped a lot. Mickey Hart's team never really slipped that much. They still stayed right up there. So he had an absolutely massive impact. I interviewed him a couple of times after games, um, and he was just a, just a complete gentleman. Pleasure to, to deal with and wish him well. It's um, as as Connor said, it's pretty the same going out on his own terms as well. Connor, from you. Uh, from the resident Antrim man among us, from your perspective, what have you noticed or what have you seen over the years when Antrim have come up against their own that has made you stand back and really admire this team? Well, I don't think, um, unlike Paul, I don't think we can claim any victory over uh, over Tyrone, never mind a McKenna Cup one in recent <laughs> years there. But um, I do I do think it's interesting, though, when you look at um, what he's done on the team. And I think there's a great um, interview in the Irish News with him, uh, with Brendan Cross in there, um, talking about his departure. And even in that there, it's pointed out by Mickey himself. And he's very good at pointing out these sort of things, like a wee bit like his record and certain things and all. And he pointed out about how, you know, any time that they did get relegated out of Division 1, they were straight back. They never spent more than one year in Division 2. And I think that's something that shows you, and 
Paul, you mentioned it there about Meath. You know, they did slip, and Meath have played their years in the other divisions, and are only back in Division One this year after God knows how long. You know, so it just shows you actually. Before he came along, you know, Trump weren't a team winning all Ireland. So, okay, they might have in '95 if things went a different direction there. But I think, I think if you just, if I just look at the impact that he would have had in that team, is if you're okay talking Antrim, anyone carry at the at the height of the the noughties as well, going up to face it, they're going up to face a, a Mickey Hart team, and that kind of I think was enough to almost put a bit of fear into other teams. And I think the evolution, the 08 team, for example. Connor, I don't know if you'd agree with this, is like sometimes said as being their biggest achievement, really, you know, from what they've done there, the change, obviously losing uh, Canavan and that there from the first couple and that. So I think it's that kind of evolution of the team is something he needs to take great credit for. Yeah, I think, you know, in 2008 in, in particular, you know, it could be argued in 2003 and 2005 that, that they were the best team in Ireland. I, I, in 2008, I personally don't think they were. Um, and, and the fact that he was able to grind in all Ireland out, 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 out of the team that he had at that time is, is testament to him, you know. Um, uh, you know, and he, he could have even potentially won one another one even after that as well. So, you know, well, he had a kind of a golden generation of footballers there to work with. Um, a few of them even in 2008, I suppose, were getting getting towards their, their later years as well. And, and, and the fact that he was able to get that one at that stage was... Was 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 highly impressive, particularly you know considering he was coming up against a Kerry team that were hot favourites, you know going for the three in a row, uh, the Twin Towers. Like you know, each of the All Irelands has their own story as such. I suppose um, that one was particularly sweet, just just because of how much how big of underdogs I suppose we, we were going into the game. Um, but yeah, that 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 one will live long in the memory. I think. Well, I think Mickey Harris, for someone from my perspective, having followed him from. Uh, the All Ireland champions Dublin for the last few years. I think someone like him, I think is he always seems like the kind of fella. And you mentioned it there, Connor. And in two thousand eight, they probably weren't the best team in that year, but he always seemed like he was chasing that high again of trying to go out on a high of managing the best team in any given year to win the All Ireland, especially in the years since with Jim Gavin and Jim McGuinness bringing on football to the next level. In terms of Ulster. Mickey Hart dominated for a long period. He's 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 left his lasting impact, and I think that's probably a good place to start with from the action of the weekend. Donegal and Cavan were victorious. Donegal a bit of a pedestrian performance on on Saturday from against their from their opponents Armagh. Donegal winning out quite quite easily, but I think the action, the excitement came on Sunday. And Paul, you were there. Cavan their second comeback of the year. How are they doing it? What is in this group of players? Does Mickey Graham have the golden touch? Should he be put in charge of the coronavirus response? Because he just seems to, just anything he touches seems to turn to gold. Yeah, someone said uh, the coronavirus is is, uh, not, is easier to kill off than this Cavan team. <laughs> in, fairness, in fairness, it's hard to put a finger on exactly how they've managed it in, in the last two games. I think against Monaghan, uh, Cavan really rolled their luck. Like Monaghan should have been out of sight at halftime, and I said that as a Cavan man, uh, and I thought Monaghan tactically got things very wrong in the second half. And Ross Carr, I think it was on Twitter, who, who came up with a great piece of analysis on that game, which I thought was should have got more more uh, airtime. He he said that Cavan had the luck of a team that had kind of almost were resigned to defeat against Monaghan, and the, like they, were, they let in a couple of scores in that game just before halftime that were calamitous. There was a couple of times two Cavan men went for the same ball and things like that. It just looked like things were really gone, gone to be uh, a bit of a shambles. But then Mon- as the game grew on against Monaghan, I think the sense grew in Calvin. Hold on, actually, we can actually win this because Monaghan are, are keeping us in this game. And then they just went for it. And they've been sort of riding their momentum ever since. Like Even though they, they stuttered against Antrim, that was always going to be a tricky game. Antrim had the, week, the extra week's rest. They were coming to Breffley. Antrim had beaten Calvin five times out of, out of the previous six. Like... Of all the teams in Ulster, I think Antrim love playing Cavan. Uh, and I think out of their last six Ulster Championship wins, I think you come back to 1982, three of them has come against Cavan as well, if I'm not mistaken. So that was always going to be tricky. The Down game, I just don't know what went wrong in the first half. In fairness, Down were, were brilliant. They, they, their, their pace, um, they were smarter under the breaking ball in the first half. And Cavan just couldn't get to the pace of it. But even at halftime... Cavan got two. Something that's been overlooked in that comeback was that Cavan got two points just before half time, and that was crucial because 
they were going in eight down and between eight and ten is, is a fair gap like you, you do see teams coming back from maybe seven or eight points down but to come back from ten is unusual especially at half time you, you don't really see that um, so to get those two points back just before half time Faulkner got a great block as well they were going in and it, like they were they were facing a, an uphill uh, task but it was salvageable whereas ten at half time possibly wasn't going to be and then they came out and like they did against Monaghan the start of the second half when Ocean Kiernan got a sort of uh, miracle Hail Mary point from, from long range. Conor Madden kicked a, a Clifford-esque point, point from the left wing and suddenly they just went for it. And uh, I think what we're going to see with Cavan in the final is that they're just going to go for it now because they've, they've had a test of the Ulster final against Donegal last year where they set up to sort of contain and they lined out a couple of half-backs in the forward line for, to do that job. They're not going to do that this this week. As Mickey Graham said to them at halftime, he, he said after the game that the message to the players was, this is this is your last 35 minutes of football if you, if you don't just go out and go for it. So don't go out and try and win, lose it by three or four points and take the bad luck off it. Just go out and go for it. And that's when the, what they did. And Cavan have a few players there that are suited to that type of game. Like Thomas Gallagher in particular, uh, defensively, he, he he's probably weak, or it's probably the weakest part of his game. But when he's playing on the front foot, attacking the ball like that, He's brilliant. He's really brilliant. And they have a few players like that. Garold McKernan would be another player who just loves to run at goal. Kieran Brady there in the half-back line. Uh, again, a defender by trade, but really his forte is attacking and driving out of defence. And even Park Faulkner, even though he's a brilliant defender, he loves to drive forward. So Cavan really do play their best when they do that. So I don't think that the, this style, this, this sort of defensive style, run, runners from deep, that teams tend to play now, I don't think it suits Cavan. I think Cavan are better suited to playing sort of gung-ho and just going for it. And they've sort of been forced into that position now twice and it's paid off for them. So uh, hopefully they'll keep that going. <laughs> Connor, well, Connor, we, we were in the WhatsApp group yesterday. We were talking at half-time during the game and I think everyone was kind of resigned to the fact that, you know, this Cavan team, it was, it was just getting a bit out of sight. But as Paul said, was it just the case in the second half of just throwing the shackles off forgetting the intricacies and the analytical side of it and just saying, let's go out and win each battle and then if we win each battle, we can win this game. I don't know what yeah, 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 I think actually if you look at it and a big a big um, talking point after the game and you look at the second half as well was, Paul's mentioned uh, uh, the midfield there too, like, you know, Calvin were dominating the second half of midfield and it was a little bit of a getting the ball up the field, you know, when they were winning the kickouts, I think 10 out of 14 that they won in the second half or something yeah. like that there. Like that's, that's outstanding. Like whether you're, you know, how many points down or whatever it is. Um, And I think something that was really, I don't know, I think something that was really evident as well was um, Thomas Gallagher going in the full forward and down kind of kind of upset their rhythm a wee bit. You know, obviously the Kevin McKiernan is a, planned as a sweeper there too. So they weren't really, I, th- I think it just, it was the flying start by down that kind of, it was almost a bit, it was like Down played some brilliant football, probably some of the best football they've played this year. And I know a couple of their games have been called off this year anyway, but I, I think if you just look at that there, I think Calvin did sort of play with a wee bit of abandonment there and they were, they did just sort of go for it. And, and it's, it's funny just mentioning those other games and about how they can come back. I think there's nothing better. That Monaghan game will stand, stand to them in that, you know, it'll be like, why can't we just go ahead and, you know, come back from these here and go for it? And I think it is that... It, it's possibly a game that Calvin might not even have won if there was qualifiers. You know, like if it's one of those ones where if there was qualifiers in a back door, Calvin might not have even won that game, you know, because they mightn't have had that attitude of, right, let's just go for it so we have nothing to lose. Um, <clears throat> I think if you look at it from that point of view, like, look, I think Donegal, we'll probably talk about Donegal in a minute, like, I think Donegal will play you any sort of game, really, like they'll adapt to any kind of game and they'll be able to, to take you on at it, but I do think I do think with Calvin it is interesting and look the the league Paul's not right that Calvin going in the last game potentially could have been promoted and relegated you know in the last game of the league too Th- that's right yeah yeah so Cal- like Calvin are probably unlucky to go down on six yeah <laughs> yeah it's probably not really reflective of the Calvin like if you consider the first five games of the league that uh, teams played it's almost a, it's a different season to the last two league games that teams played and there's no no better evidence of that than say Mayo and Galway's match you know that they played and I'd even throw in Antrim and Wicklow's in there as well like you know it's nothing more contrasting that, that, than that so possibly it was the first it was more that there that Cavan just sort of didn't really recover from so 
I think they're not a Division Three team if you're looking at it really. Uh, and I think and I think there's no reason why they can't go in and put it up to Donegal and. And yeah, Paul, I'd agree with you. I think they need to go in and just throw everything at it rather than living with any regrets. Yeah, I, th- I think we will see that as well. I yeah. I, I really do think that the, the experience of last year is going to stand the cabin in a big way. And I think they will throw the kitchen sink at Donegal. Yeah. I think they're going to give Donegal a hell of a test. On the flip side, Connor, then, when we look at it, right, Cavan have shown that they're, by all means, the comeback kings. They've done that against Monaghan, done it against Down. Maybe kind of a stuttering performance against um, against Antrim. On the flip side, Donegal have shown they've been quite impressive against Tyrone, getting past Armagh as well. What would their mindset be like going into this this weekend's game? Are they looking at it and saying, "Do what we do, did did to Armagh, power past Gavin, get to the next game, all about the next game," or could there be an element of uh, an element of fear that this could be the banana skin for them. I tell you one thing, Calvin wouldn't need to give them the, the same kind of leads that they were giving Monaghan and uh, and down because I, I I really don't see it happening the third time in a row. If they if they go seven or eight down, I think it's only one one going to go one way at that stage. Um, but yeah, listen, Donegal will be cautious. Um, you know, I, I think I think Bonner, Declan Bonner, and um and uh, Rochford have them. They have them, you know, in in a mindset where. They play each game kind of on its own merits, you know, and they they approach it as such. Um, particularly obviously against Tyrone, you know, they kind of knew exactly what way they set up to, to nullify Tyrone. And Tyrone, for the most part, could couldn't really deal with it. Um, you know, the the Armagh game obviously was a little bit different in that, you know, they just kind of rampaged them, and 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 Armagh just couldn't really deal with their 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 runners coming forward and stuff. So, um, I uh, I I think. I know you boys are saying that Kavanagh is going to go out and go for it. Um, I, I wouldn't be as confident that, that that's what they're going to do. It probably, I, I would say it makes sense that that's what they should do. Um, I, I think they'll, they'll probably respect Donegal maybe a wee bit more than that, and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll wait and see how it pans out in the, in, in the first part of the game. Um, I think I think Donegal just looked mightily impressive at, at the weekend there. Like that, that's not a bad Armagh team that they they beat. Very, very convincingly. Um, I know Armagh still have plenty of question marks about them, but you know everyone, the majority of people were, were saying that they would at least give Donegal a game, and you know the manner of victory that, that they ran away with. Um, they're they're a serious outfit, and I think probably rightly talked up by by most people as, as maybe being the, the nearest challengers to the Dublin. Um, I think somebody picked up on it there. Just they can play in in any number of ways, and, and I think that's why Dublin have, have been up there for so long because they can. They can easily adapt to you know the different challenges, the different teams, the team that the teams that play different ways. And Donegal are really showing that now. Now I think and you know they can they can play in a more in a dogfight. They've got plenty of footballers. Um, their forward line I think just impresses me more and more every time I see it. They've got you know they've got the the old head of of, of Murphy. Um, they've got the young kind of fellas coming in, the likes of Niall O'Donnell and Oshin Gallon. Just I've thought have been deadly impressive as well. Um, I just think they have too many ways to to hurt Calvin. Um, I, I hope they do. I hope Calvin do come out and 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 and, and go for it because as the boys have said there, I think they've shown that, that it suits them. You know, the likes of of, of Gallagher there and and even Connor Madden. It, it was it was a great throwback even just to see them. Um, yesterday just. Just kicking the ball in, you know, you don't see it an awful lot anymore. Of just having a couple of big lads in there, get the ball into them, and if they're well, well able to win it and, and score, then you know I think that's what a lot of their victory came out of yesterday. Um, I, I just think Donegal just have a wee bit, wee bit too much for them. I would say. In terms of the two teams, though, Paul, going into your final, I think the two things that stand out for them, aside from some of the players, the two things that stand out for. For Donegal is their line having the likes of Stephen Rochford, Carl Lacey, and and Bonner over them. Well, Cavan, obviously Mickey Graham is down GA folklore already for what he did with Mullen Octa. What kind of tactical battle can we expect? I know what we're saying is they're just going to throw shackles to the wind, but can Mickey spring a surprise? Does he have something up his sleeve that maybe we haven't seen already? Yeah, Mickey Graham is is very very shrewd. Uh, extremely, extremely so. And like the first thing he did when he came in as Cav manager, he, he he identified that Cavan needed to improve in the championship. There was a there was a thing done in the Irish Times a couple of years ago which found that 
over I think it was over five or six years, Cavan were were the tenth best performing team in the National League on average over those five or six years, and twentieth best in the championship. And Graham knew that the championship is where it's at, really. Like the league is okay, the league is important, but it's only really there. To, you want to get improve your championship. So to this point, he has actually won more championship games than than league games, which is which is incredible in his in his two years. He's won more more games in the Ulster Championship than I think we had won going back to something like 2007 or 2008. I saw that stat on Twitter. So he's very, very shrewd. He learned a lot from the Ulster final last year. Obviously, Bonner and Rochford, those boys are at, at the elite, at the cutting edge. But I do think it's important that when we're analysing this, that we need to challenge the consensus. And the consensus here is that Donegal are, have brought their game to a new level. Donegal are ready to challenge Dublin. And I'd be very wary of making that call because I haven't seen the evidence of that. We're sort of taking that on blind faith. We're looking at their panel and look, they brought on Paddy McBrady, Oshin Gall and Jason McGee. Look at that panel. Look what they did to Armagh. I don't think beating, beating Armagh off the field, that doesn't make a, a 14 to 1 on favourite in my eyes. This, this is the shortest price a team has ever been in the Ulster final. Now, this is not the biggest mis- mismatch in the history of the Ulster final. So I think Without a doubt, I think Donegal are, are being hyped here a lot. And I'm not saying they may well prove, turn out to be the, the real deal, but there's an awful lot of hype attached to them without any particular evidence. I know there's a lot of teams already knocked out of it, and that moves them up the rankings, especially when you see the Tyrone's and Kerry's and Gaul has gone out of it. Uh, so obviously they're going to be um, short in the betting. But I'd just be a little bit wary of it, because you have to remember in the Super 8s in the last two years, they won two games out of six, like they beat Mead and Roscommon. That was it. So it's a big leap from from uh, only being able to win two games out of six when you get to the best eight teams in the country to, you know, they're going to beat Dublin. I, I'm not so sure about that. So uh, I'm not saying Cavan are going to beat them, but I think Cavan will have learned a lot. And the the big thing about this Cavan team is, I'm not saying they're going to be good enough to win an Ulster title, but however good they are now is as good as they're going to be. This is Cavan at them now because they've been building for a few years Martin McHugh said something on commentary about a young Cavan team on BBC and I had to shake my head at that because it's not a young Cavan team that that chestnut needs to be buried once and for all and never dug up again this Cavan team has an average appearances or is hovering around the 60 mark now they're actually one of the most seasoned experienced teams out there looking through that loads of them have made their, their debuts back in 2011 12, 13 some of them like Ray Gallagher and Martin Riley are there since 2007 2008 so there's loads of experience in the Cavan team um, and they're not going to get any better now. The, this thing that Cavan were sort of peddling for a few years with the future is blue uh, and the, the supporters bought into that and the, I think it's probably seeped into the players as well that you know, ne- we're next year, next year, next year and next year never came and I think the penny has finally dropped with Cavan and that's why I think they're, they've got to this stage. They, they just kind of, you know, that's why I also think that they're going to they're going to really push this really tight. I mean, they're going to they're going to tighten this. I'm I'm not going to look like a fool here and call Cavan to beat Donegal in the Ulster final, but I I really honestly believe it. And I am generally pessimistic. Like last year, I I predicted Donegal would win the Ulster final easily, and they did. Uh, so I, I'm, I'd like to think I'm not just wearing a Cavan jersey here, but I I think I think it's set up for Cavan to really push this one. Connors, what do we think? Donegal to uh, them or Calvin to sneak a win? Well, I think it's just interesting what Paul's saying there about Donegal as well. And I think now, uh, like looking at them anyway, and I do think there's a big thing with Donegal that people are hoping and they're kind of, they're almost wishing them to be, you know, they'll be the team to beat Dublin. So they almost do. And like Paul, you're saying there, like the evidence maybe hasn't been demonstrated. Like, okay, they beat Armagh comfortably, but Armagh are not Dublin, you know? So it's kind of like people are almost like uh, wishing for them to be the team that they will, you know, that they will be capable of going and beating Dublin. And I do agree. Donegal probably are the number two team in the country on form looking at it, you know, from what we've seen, but it's a very strange championship. And the fact even that, yeah, like, we're down to almost the last eight, pretty much, or seven teams left in the championship. I think is 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 lends itself to that. Um, I think I think in the final, I do, I do think 
I do agree with what Connor said about look if if Gavin gave Donegal any kind of elite like there's no there's no coming back from that just they are a step above the teams that um Cavan have played so far um I do I don't know I do I do think um and I'm loving Paul's optimism there he says he's a pe- he says he's a pessimist but I'm loving his optimism as well like you know that goes with it um but um I do just think Donegal are kind of on to I, I, like Donegal won't say this, but they, they will have Dublin in their sights, you know, and that is what they're aiming for. And whether this year, this Ulster final, they're kind of treating as this is their All Ireland quarter final, I don't know. But um, I think Donegal probably would be too strong for them. But I like, I agree. I think, I think anything that sees a bit of more competitiveness, new teams involved, you know, new teams getting through. Like I know Calvin beat Antrim this year, but like even when you're looking at it, like the years, like say. When I look back at like oh nine, like whenever Antrim did go on their run and they beat Cavan in that semi final and all, and I think just that kind of, I don't know, just that kind of interest of new teams. Now this is two two finals in a row for Cavan and as well, so I think them kind of having, you can really see evidence of that attitude, Paul, that you mentioned in there that they are kind of just saying right, no next year never comes for any team, you know, it's all about the here and now, and I don't know, I'd love to see them go out and just throw everything at it. Throw throw loads loads of long balls up on top of uh, um, McKiernan and that there, and just really get rattled into Donegal. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, but I do think uh, Donegal will be too much for them. Yeah, just uh, just back up what I said beforehand. I, I just think, well, you know, obviously, kind of you can discount the Armagh game and you can talk about how good or bad Armagh are, but I think you know Donegal's big test. Well. Um, two big tests really you know this year they played thrown in a league game and obviously in the first round of the championship um, there's only a couple of points in the, in the championship game but I just felt Donegal were were significantly you know more ahead of, of Tyrone than a two point uh, you know win would suggest I just felt they you know they, they dictated the game they, they had the game on their terms um, the one thing I would say I suppose about Calvin and, and what they would, will probably have compared to the teams Donegal have played uh, up, up until this point is, is they have serious size and that's Donegal have kind of steamrolled teams from on on particularly on, on the opposition kickouts this last couple of games um, they just have huge men around the middle and Calvin have you know, they have big men there they have Killian Clark we have, have Galligan um, McKiernan fellas that are well able to get up and compete there um, so Donegal might not, not necessarily have it all their own way as, as regard to kickouts go uh, as they have done maybe in the last couple of games um, as I said I, ju- I just think they have a wee bit too much for them um, as I said I think they're too good at controlling games at this stage um, again if Cavan get a lead um, you know at the start of the game you know and, and, and go for it they're well worth a shout but um, I, I would kind of be envisaging Donegal by at least maybe four or five points yeah and well I think we'll have to wait and see I think Cavan Iron with a right shot I, I would tend to agree with Paul I think Donegal and are probably being willed on to be a, the challenger maybe before the form book has, has caught up with them yet, but we'll wait and see. Another one of the All-Ireland challengers is, of course, Mayo, who dispensed of Galway in a very, very tight Connacht final uh, over the weekend as well, 14 points to 13. Mayo just doing enough to get out of the out of the Connacht Championship into another All-Ireland semi-final. The first Connacht Championship in five years a lot of new players, a lot of new names to get around. Is this the year? Have they finally cracked that note? Have they deepened their panel enough to be able to handle, first of all, a possible Donegal, Dublin, even Calvin, or a Cork, Tipperary, to get to win the All Ireland this year? I'd love to see it. I would love to see Mayo win. I think I think there's some of those long-serving Mayo players deserve it. And in any other era, they, they would have won an All Ireland or two because they just came up against a Dublin team who were just so good. Uh, so I think they've they've a nice blend. They, they needed that. They did need to bring in some some new faces and fresh blood, be a bigger hit, leave some of the baggage at the door, and they've done that. But looking through the, I didn't see the game because I was covering the Gavin game. But looking through the, the match report, I like the way they've got a a lot of experience nearly in every line of the field. Obviously David Clark and goals, but you've Chris Barrett in the full back line. You've got Keegan centre half. You've got Cone there as well. Jeremy O'Connor in the half forward line. Kevin McLaughlin, Aidan O'Shea, and um, 
Killian O'Connor in the full forward line. So there, there's still that serious spine of experience throughout that, that Mayo side. I saw them against Roscommon because I had Roscommon back that day and I was watching that game very closely. So I, I like the look of Roscommon this year. I thought I thought they were a team that's really, really coming to their prime and with a strong squad. Like they came up and beat Cavan easily, missing 13 of their squad, beat Armagh easily as well. And both, both Cavan and Armagh had gone and, and uh, won games in the championship after that. And that game was in was in Dr. Hyde Park. I was so impressed with Mayo. So I think that this Mayo side is as good as any they've had in the last few years. And I think they're going to give it a real bold bid this year. Hunter's Mayo, is it their year? Uh, no, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just back in Dublin. The more I see them, I just I can't see anyone else um, um, pepping them at all. But I, I do think Mayo are. I, I think the, I think the game at the weekend will definitely help them an awful lot. Mayo are well used to kind of you know winning games, real chaotic games where things are just flying about everywhere. Lads are you know bombing up the field, popping up and down the field. This was this wasn't like that. It was a bit more. Um, it was a bit more cagey. It was a bit more um, controlled. I, I think from both both sides and then Mayo potentially haven't haven't you know it doesn't suit them um the playing games like that so uh, i think that'll that'll have done them the, the world of good go away listen aren't aren't a bad side at all i think the the break the six month break seemed to just break Galway. Um, all the momentum that they have at the start of the year just just seemed to, to seep away. Mm-hmm. Um, even the fact that their their previous game you know didn't have wasn't played again didn't help them that they're playing a Mayo side that they had a bit of momentum on on their side. Um. I think as as the fellas said, they're you know a real good mix of of, of youth and experience. Um, some of the some of the new fellas I've brought in, I've been really really impressed with. Um, Ossian Mullen, I think he's a cracking player. Um, Owen McLaughlin as well. I think I think I heard one of the commentators saying that he was um he used to be a cyclist. Um, and, and like all, all of that power that that he shows, kind of driving forward again, very very kind of um very um. Very similar to, to what Mayo kind of half backs and, 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 and full backs have done over the last few years. Um it fit, just fits in really, really well. Um obviously in the forwards, the likes of Tommy Conroy coming in to um to supplement the likes of, of Aidan O'Shea and, and, and O'Connor there. Um yeah, I, just, I, I think they look well um well placed, I suppose. Um and I, I would probably put them in, in a similar category to, to Donegal, you know, just that next level down from Dublin. But um I, 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 just, I just think any kind of weak points that again uh, go back to the game that the, the league game they played against against Tyrone they were badly caught out and we talked last week as well about the the kickouts and and, and the goalkeeper and 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 I, I don't think they've rectified those issues um and they're going to have to if they want to get get to that next level I think so they're there thereabouts but I I still think it's 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 a bit too far away for them. Yeah, Connor, I think. Would, is, would a fair assumption be of Mayo, comparing them to Donegal, for instance, we back Donegal because what we think they might be able to do, but sometimes we go against hype in Mayo because we know what they can't do and can do in All-Ireland Finals as the ultimate difference? Yeah, probably is a fair point. Um, and I think if you're looking at it, as well like we've talked about the break in the in the league as well and you know and again probably to an extent is people willing Mayo to be the you know better than they are and more of a challenger than they are um I do think it's a fair point as well um just what Connor was mentioning there too about some of the players who've come in the new players like there is something there you know and look whether they go on and can challenge um the Mayo they'll they'll be playing monster champions in the semi-finals, isn't that right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So you know, like they're on the they're they're on a carryless side of the draw, you know, as well. Like so, and and I think you'd fancy them, you know, regardless of who came out of monster, really Mayo to be strong favourites to come through that. Um, I do think as well if you're looking at the team, there's you know. They're, they're, I think James Horn almost has, has them as like, look, this is a wee bit of a fresh start. And I think almost psychologically they maybe need that. So it is kind of like this is something new. Um, You're looking at Keith Higgins coming off the bench, for example. A few of the newer players then that Connor mentioned there too. You know, uh, there has been a real deliberate attempt to try and freshen things up there. Um, and maybe that's maybe that's something to get you know into their own players' heads as well as like any other team's perceptions of them. Um, look, he's 
he's he's experimented in the games leading up to the championship as well. Uh, but I agree with Paul; they've been they're very impressive there, especially against Ross Common. Um, and look, you'd fancy Mayo. Like I would put I would put my neck out and say I would expect Mayo to be in an All Ireland final this year. Um, it's going to be a very different All Ireland. It's going to be you know they're they're more used to playing Dublin and you know nice bright September and crisp. Uh, crisp evenings look that pitch that they were playing in Galway on was a very heavy pitch there wasn't much it was a KJ affair it was a real point in it um we'll see if that heavy pitch kind of suits I imagine Croke Park is, is fine in this time of year but I don't know I, I I would fancy them to go to get the All-Iron final but I don't know about having enough to be beating uh, Dublin there um I think you're more looking at uh I don't know maybe it'll be Mayo's year if Meath can beat Dublin in the Leinster final I don't know we'll wait and see I'll give you one thing that I saw last night in the 1920 All Ireland Championship. Now this is a real throwback. <laughs> the provincial champions. You, know, you can you might know this Paul better than I do. So correct me if I'm wrong. But the provincial champions were Mayo, Tipperary, Cavan, and Dublin. Could be wrong there. But yeah, I I think you're right there. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. Paul, thanks. <laughs> Ultimately, I think I think it was Tipperary beat Mayo. So. I suppose my point is, Cork Tip coming up this weekend, are we disregarding another shock? With this championship being so mad and so different and having the likes of Colin O'Reardon come back into it and what Cork did to Kerry and, you know, we're kind of looking at it as a bit of a procession from Dublin side or Donegal and we touched on the point earlier. Is there is this championship capable of more shocks or will teams like Mayo, Donegal... I mean, would they be just too strong for any potential challenge that comes from Cork or Tipperary? I'll open it up for whoever wants to jump in. Yeah, well, I I think, Pierce, that um, something that's been overlooked in terms of the shocks in the championship is the short run in, into games. Mm. I think that's a, I think that's a big factor because team, underdogs aren't getting paralysed with, with caught up in the opposition. There is that element of kind of... Um, it's sort of like a makeshift championship in ways. And there is that element of, look, we're out again next week. Let's just go out, focus on ourselves, go out. And oftentimes that's the best thing an underdog can do. And uh, I, I think that that has been a big factor in, in these these few shocks that we've seen. Although I don't think Kevin beating Monaghan was that big of a shock, even though I, I saw it described in, in uh, the Irish News last week as something like a freak result or something along those lines, which, which I didn't think it was, but that was an upset. Yeah, I suppose that's a good point. Um, but in terms of, you know, when we're looking at something like like the Munster final, Cork, we're kind of presuming Cork are going to are going to win, are going to play Mayo. But they're Cork are coming from a position where, you know, they played in Division Three this year. They've on, been on a decline in in the last few years. While also on the flip side of that, in last year's Super Eights, they ran Dublin quite close. So could we be looking at Cork as the potential dark horses? I, I think I think it has can't be overlooked either. With like you mentioned, Cork being in Division Three, but for a lot of time, a lot of years there, Cork and Tipperary in the same division. Anyway, you know, and I don't really think like it's more of a shock of Tipperary win Monster because of the fact that it's been Kerry winning it mostly recently. So and they don't have to play Kerry, you know, anytime Tip have been going for Monster. So I like look, it wouldn't be a shock either way. You look at the you look at what um Tip did against Limerick too, you know, I know Limerick Division Four team, but they Limerick were very were impressive and they got promoted. Um and Tip did rescue that, you know, and you, when you feel the quality of like Sir Connor Sweeney there and, you know, <laughs> putting them over from the sideline and all that, you know, you do have a chance. Um I actually, if you go back to the Cork Kerry game, um, Cork Kerry were poor, like you know, like and Kerry didn't really Kerry kind of maybe I say pause a little bit about what you're saying there. Kerry went into that game and probably thought too much about how they were setting up and and how they were going to contain Cork and like I don't know what I don't know why, but it didn't look like Kerry went into that game thinking we're Kerry and we'll just blow Cork out of the way here. So maybe there was a wee bit too much going on in the game leading up to there, and I actually think Cork. Yes, Cork, Cork uh, won the game. They obviously got it, stole it the way they did. But it's not like Cork had to be superb there either. So I think we'll wait to see you know, what Cork bring to the game against Tip, where Cork will be going into that as favourites, most likely. And and if you're looking at it, you know they weren't going in as favourites against Kerry. And I think it's a little bit like, probably a little bit like Cavan Donegal. You know, where Cavan, 
weren't favourites against Monaghan. I know it wasn't a shock or freak result, but they weren't favourites against Monaghan, really, if, you, if you're looking at the, the odds on it. And then actually the game where Cavan were favourites against Antrim was actually something they, you know, they, they it wasn't as convincing there, you know. So I wouldn't be surprised going into this if Cork, as their position as favourites, maybe whether they're per, more perceived favourites than actual um out and out favourites, but I don't know. I do, I think I think if I look at that, their point of view, it's very different. This is a very different way for Cork to approach this, having uh, come in as under underdogs against Kerry the previous week. I, I think. I mean, I think people are. Some people are given, and, and don't get me wrong, Kerry were very poor um, last week. They they, were, they really weren't good. Um, I still do think that that Corks will have to be, you know, a decent team to beat them, regardless of how of, of how bad Kerry were. Um, you know, just it was it was a terrible night like that. Obviously, kind of played into things as well. Um, I think you know, as I said, as bad as Kerry were, I think people are, are maybe underselling Cork a little bit, and that you know they still have to go out and beat them. Um, there's still not a lot of teams in Ireland that that would beat uh, the National League champions, Kerry. Um, even on a bad day, and obviously it was a particularly bad day. Um, they have, I think, I think Cork are strong. They've, a good, they've you know, good, good kind of pace coming out from their back. They've, they've got a lot of kind of, um, you know, pacey athletic players. I, I remember watching them in, in against Tyrone and, and Dublin in the Super Eights last year, and you, you could tell that it was a different. You know, obviously they went through a, a few kind of barren years where they didn't, you know, they, they looked a very poor outfit. Um, I noticed from last year. A little bit of a difference in them, a bit more bite. Um, with their half forward line, the likes of of, of Rory Dean, there just kind of running running that teams. Um, and, and they do that quite well. Um, you know, they, they hit Rome for two goals last year. Um, in the first five minutes, I think I think it was in Croke Park, and it looked as if they could have caused a shock there. Um, I think they I think they've good forward as well. Maybe didn't use them as much as what what they would have wanted to do against Kerry. Uh, I think you know, Brian Hurley's uh a fantastic player, and, and you know he, he didn't really, it wasn't really that involved in the game against Kerry. So you know you would like to think that he'd be more involved and he'd get, he'd get more out of him um, uh, against Tipperary in the final. I, I think Corker, you know, even despite the fact that they're in Division Three this year, they're probably operating at a level that's that is just above where, where Tipperary are at. Um, and again, I, I just don't think you can discount a win against Kerry, regardless of how of how poor they might have been. Absolutely, yeah, and I think it's something that will definitely give them a lot of hope for the rest of the championship, not just next weekend, but another kind of blockbuster game this Saturday, the Dubs are out again in the Leinster final, coming up against Meath, a pretty much, I think safe to say, coming into this, a pretty much unknown quantity, despite their big win against Kildare, or the, the five goals they scored against Kildare last weekend, but I think they're, from anybody that I speak to anyway, without, you know, downplaying Dublin at all. I think an awful lot of people are hoping or expecting Meath to close that gap this weekend or close that gap this year in the, in the Lancet Championship. The ultimate question can be, is though, if they do do it, how do they do it against this Dublin team? Again, I'll open up to whoever wants to jump in. I think, I, th- I think you know, you go back to the last time that Meath beat them in the championship. Um, it was funny, actually. Uh, I think they scored 5-9 yesterday, and that's exactly what they scored uh, the day that they beat Dublin in Croke Park. Um, I think if they're going to do it, they probably have to put away, if maybe not five goals, but at least maybe two or three. Um, you know, and, and they're well capable of that. I mean, in, in fairness now, uh, looking at the, the Bays and Kildare game last night, Kildare... May as well have threw the ball into the net for them a couple of times. You know the, the, the you know the goals that they gave away. Um, but you know they they have forwards up front that can score goals. Um, you know and they showed that yesterday. Um, do you see? Do I see this Dublin team giving up goals the way that? Um, I don't know who the manager, the Dublin manager was at that time. It was Paul Caffrey maybe? Um, do I see the Dublin the Dublin team now giving up three goals? I, I find it very, very, very difficult to, to see. Um, but yeah, listen, I think we talked about it last week. Kahar was was very, uh, was very thick and was very of the opinion that that Meath will give them a really good game. And I think that they probably will up to a point. A, a lot of even even the game at the weekend there, where Dublin were playing against Leash, you know, Leash stayed with them for you know, for the guts of the first half. You know, they kept it tight and, and similar to what Meath did last year. Um, 
I just think that when it comes to the second half, you, you can kind of live with them for so long, and then they just the power and the fitness and, and and the skill just really comes to the fore then from you know from the third quarter onwards. So, um, I think they probably have to be going in with the lead with, with a couple of goals in the first half, um, and and, and take it from there. But it's obviously a tall order, you know. Paul, going up to me. Is there anything they can do this weekend to pull off the shock of all shocks? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think absolutely. I think there was a lot of talk there a couple uh, Jim Rowan and Cork were bringing out a strategic plan, and I think they included the word Corkness in it, and they wanted to bring that back to Cork teams. I think Mead have started the process of bringing back the Meadness to, to teams. and uh, I, I really believe that. The McEntee has come in, and he did an awful lot of tinkering in all areas of, of the field. Like I think he used something like 11 goalkeepers, for example. But <laughs> he, he basically just stripped back that mid team and rebu- has been rebuilding them. And he's been looking for players of, of serious character and that stubbornness that he would, himself would have been steeped in uh, growing up in mid football. And he's bringing that back to it. And you can see it. It's taken a while, but there's, over the last 18 months, they've been slowly closing the gap in uh, onto the top six. Like in, in the National League, they gave up leads in nearly every game. Nearly every game they were well behind, we'd say, coming up to half-time or half through the first half. And all those games, they came back. Now, they didn't get over the line in, in any of them, I don't think. But they, were, they weren't hammered in any league game. So that'll give them confidence. Even though they weren't getting results, they can probably feel that they can compete with teams up in Division 1. And, look, they're starting to bang in the goals there. They have 12 goals now in their last two games. They're going to be full of confidence. And I think they've, they've been imbued with this sort of... Let, let's be honest about it. The attitude of some of the Leinster counties in the last 15 years, okay, you're facing up against Dublin, and that's not easy. But this attitude of just rolling over and playing dead in front of Dublin in the Leinster Championship, it really was, it has been scandalous for a long time. And like, if you, I know Leinster's in a, in a low ebb. I, I once actually did an exercise where I looked back over the Boylan era in Mead, and I think there was something like five counties in Leinster, one in All-Ireland, during Boylan's tenure, oh, over Mead's best 11 years. So like from... Uh, from like 80, 88 to 99 there was something like five counties in Leinster one and All-Ireland that either minor on the 21 or senior so Leinster was really competitive in, in that era and I think outside of Dublin no no team from Leinster uh, won any type of All-Ireland between 2003 and 2018 and they, they were still winning quite there was they were still winning quite a lot of Leinsters at minor and under 21 level and no team had won an All-Ireland so Leinster football was at a, was at a terribly low ebb and getting hockeyed um, every time you went out against Dublin didn't help that. So you, you saw it with Leach there at the weekend. Kevin Egan put up a great clip on Twitter and pointed out the body language of some of the Leach players when they let in a goal. Like, they were still only five points down, and the body language more or less said, OK, game over, lads. Like, there, it was absolute total... I want to see that from Mead. And it'd be good to see how, how Dublin react to it, because they haven't had any kind of a test in Leinster for so long. Like, Mead only scored, what, four or five points in the Leinster final last year. Uh I think I think yeah I could see Mead giving them a hell of a game. I don't think they're going to beat them, but I, I could see them giving them a hell of a game. Connor, we'll give you the final word though. Dublin this weekend. What do you see? Do you think Mead uh, can can pull off a surprise? I, like I, I don't think they can, but I, I think it is really important for Mead if they are. And I agree with what Paul's saying there. Mead have closed the gap, and I know when they were in Division One this year. So if I'm just looking at, look, I think their season's going to end on, you know, in the Leinster final. So if I'm just looking at Mead's season here, um, you know, they can there. There's definitely something they can take from that. Look, they came back against. I know Kildare handled them a few goals there, but at the same time they did turn over some of them. So I think if there is something that they want to try and get at Dublin, and any time Dublin have been rattled in the past, it has been teams, you know, pushing up and being really aggressive and in their faces. The complete opposite, probably, of what you know, like we're saying about the body language of some of the other Leinster teams, like Salish there, you know, just uh, rolling over. So I think if you're looking at May season, like they have had a positive year. There's a few games. There where they did only lose by a point, or you know, when it actually nobody gave them a chance, really. I think they were maybe one heavy defeat in the league. Um, I can't just remember uh, against who, but even the game against Dublin in the league, you know, like it was, you know, it was a close enough affair. I think when it comes down to the nitty gritty of championship, though, when it's being straight knockouts, Dublin will, you know, Dublin are different when it comes to league championship. Um, but I do think with McIntyre in charge that. Meath are likely to go out and, and throw what they can at Dublin in this game because it is knockout again, you know, and I, I keep going back to that. It's straight knockout, so why why not? And I do think that they will they will go out and they will be 
and last year, yeah, Dublin pulled away, and obviously it was. I think Meath only got the four points in the end last year. But even if you're looking across their, the the firepower's there. Okay, they've not played a team like Dublin yet, but you know you've Joey Wallace there as well. He's getting the goals, and look, I, I think I think they're definitely in a better position than last year. Their Division One uh, campaign this year would put them in a good position as well to have that experience of playing quality opposition uh, over a consistent period, and probably a little bit like what's Calvin have had as well where they've been playing I feel it's like you know like five or six weeks in a row or something like that I, th- I think that's something that will benefit teams that are on form and scoring there's nothing like scoring goals and I think if you're scoring goals week after week then you hopefully bring that into the next game but look I do think their season will end on Sunday and it's almost a shame for a team like me that there isn't the qualifiers you know for them you know but it's look it's the way it is they're in Leinster and this is who they face <laughs> and this is just what happens but um in terms of Dublin, I don't know if there's really much really to cover in terms of what we can cover them at this stage, and maybe it's something more waiting until semi-final to really get into them. But um, but yeah, I think Mee's campaign will, will end, and but um, I think this year they can look back and think it was a very positive year for them. Yeah, no, I think I'd have to agree. I think it's it's looking at probably a Dublin win on the weekend. But yeah, I do I do think just to you know concur with what you lads are saying. I think Mead are going to give them a big challenge, but I think they're probably still a year or two away from closing that gap to anything that will prob- probably give a big fright, but they're not a million miles away from them. Okay, on that note, lads, I think uh, we'll leave it there for this week. Thanks a million as always. Uh, you can catch Paul on We Are Calvin, or you can read a bit of read him in the, his, some of his columns and his pieces in the Anglo-South. Thanks a million for joining us, Paul. Connor, on the South cast each, each and every week for a little bit of a look into Antrim GAA and Connor Hall, you'll be back with us next week. Uh, so yeah. And again, if you want to catch us, you can get us on any podcast application. You can catch us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, as always, any complaints, send them on to Connor Donnelly. <laughs> <laughs> next week, Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thanks, Pierce. All right. Cheers, Pierce.